Hello and welcome to the Rare Disease Cell and Gene Therapy Monthly Roundup. Every month, we at Partners for Access bring to you some of the most important news developments in the orphan drug cell and gene therapy world and what they mean to you. Welcome to P4A's July edition of the podcast. My name is Akshay and I'm a partner here at Partners for Access and I'm joined by my colleague Richard. Richard, would you like to say a few words to introduce yourself? Thank you, Akshay, for the introduction. My name is Richard Wang. I've recently completed my PhD and I've since then worked for P4A, where I've really developed an appetite for ensuring equitable treatment in the rare disease space. Fantastic. Thank you, Richard. Today's topic is decentralized clinical trials. So, Richard, before we jump into this topic in detail, what is a decentralized clinical trial and how does it differ from traditional clinical trial approaches? So when you think of a traditional clinical trial, you think of brick and mortar sites, so physical sites where patients would have to travel to receive their treatment, to speak to physicians. Um, So they're kind of tied down to a local or a specific location. So decentralized clinical trials, uh, DCTs for short, these utilize technology to remove some of the aspects, the physical aspects of the clinical trials, so they can remove them entirely, uh, where it's a fully DCT, or partially, so it's a hybrid DCT, where they still incorporate some uh, journeys, for example, for the patients to the clinical trial centers. Richard, are, are DCTs or decentralized clinical trials something new because you know we've only seen it, seen it come to the spotlight over the last six months to a year. Well the concept of DCTs themselves are not new but before you know the past six months or so or the past year they really struggled to gain traction and this was because sponsors were afraid of the resource costs of transitioning. They saw potential issues in patient engagement and patient monitoring and there were also regulatory fears you know, regulatory bodies wouldn't uh, accept the data collected from DCTs. Because of the COVID crisis, which has had a profound and long-lasting effects on society, it's meant that clinical trials in the traditional sense have not been able to be run in safe and effective ways you know, due to government restrictions, uh, lockdowns, and the fear of you know, the virus itself spreading at these physical site locations. And in fact, the National Institute of Health said that about 80% of clinical trials were halted during the peak of the pandemic. With crisis comes opportunity. So JFK once said that the word for crisis in Chinese, Weijie, which represents two words, represents danger and opportunity. So here we have COVID, the pandemic is a crisis, and we have DCTs as the opportunities. So you know, the, the real opportunity is that DCTs allow the continuation or the conduction of new clinical trials and this driving force is explicated in an industry poll where 76% of respondents noted that the pandemic actually sped the adoption of DCT methods. Wow, those are some startling statistics, Richard. If you think of traditional trial approaches, some of the biggest challenges are around patient recruitment. You know, and once patients are recruited, retaining those patients. Also, there are challenges around in a systematic way capturing safety and efficacy outcome measures, which in turn then places burden on healthcare practitioners. How does DCTs actually address some of these challenges? Yeah, so first of all, we talk about patient retention, you know, having patients stay on the trial. It's been shown that for every 30 miles a patient has to travel to the clinical trial site, uh, there's a drop in 10% in terms of retention. So it's really important to be able to have convenient locations for 
patients to travel to. So DCTs, through the use of local or mobile healthcare providers and technology, means that you know access to clinical trials are no longer limited by geography and travel expenses. So you know you're really able to streamline the access to clinical trials, which can address some of those challenges which you've mentioned. So you know really by removing the burden and travel time and expenses, uh, you can have accelerated enrollment and retention of patients in clinical trials. You know, in terms of compliance, which you mentioned, uh, getting patients to stick to the, the treatment protocol through digital technology, you can have more frequent contact with the patients, and the technology can be used to you know gamify the trial process, ensuring that patients stick to the treatment regimen. Also, with clinical trials being decentralized, is that you're no longer restricted to the the patients you can recruit from in a certain area. So you're able to have a more diverse representation of the target population in the clinical trial, which can reduce patient bias, which is something that regulators and payers would look out for. There's also the potential to provide better data through a DCT. So for example, measurements can be acquired more frequently or even continuously since they're not restricted by scheduled clinical visits. So this also means that information about a patient's day-to-day experiences uh, outside the you know, controlled clinical environment can be gathered. And what's more is that DCTs have the potential to provide better care. So clinical research staff would be less burdened with collecting basic data for patient during clinical visits if the data can already be collected beforehand remotely. So what this means is that it gives you know, more, more time for patients to actually spend with the physician when they do visit a trial center you know, to talk more about their problems or the treatment. Um, so, you know, you can provide a better care that way. You know, from what you've been educating us around DCTs, Richard, it's becoming clear that digital health technologies play a critical role. Is technology a driver or a limiter today for driving decentralized clinical trials? So, you know, it's a double-edged sword, let's say. Uh, but I'll, I'll, you know, first talk about the, the role which it plays. You know, it, it has a huge role. Um, DCTs rely on technologies. They function by incorporating technology such as apps, wearable devices, data cloud services, telecommunication devices. And it's only through you know, technology like those that it allows patients and clinical trial staff to, to monitor, communicate, and share data remotely. But not only that, AI has also you know, started to have a role in clinical trials. For example, they have been adopted to better stratify and identify optimal patients for the trial. But you know, as, as I earlier said, there are two sides of this coin. DCTs have shifted the burden from patients to the trial site. So operators now face the challenge of paying for, learning, and integrating these new technologies that are required for DCTs to function. You know, surrounding technology, there are also privacy laws surrounding the data that is collected, which are often complex and difficult to navigate, which also vary country to country. So data sovereignty, integrity, and handling pose a real concern for DCTs. Of course, there's also the issue of security. So making sure that patients that are enrolled in the trial are actually the right patients are actually, you know, the patients submitting the data. So you don't have anyone falsifying data by you know, giving the wearable technology to their, their brother or sister, for example. You know, so this, this is a unique challenge to DCTs. And, you know, facial recognition, security might be ways to navigate this in the future. So what, what we really need, what, you know, what DCP really needs is a clear map of the flow of the data, who controls it, and how it's stored. 
but you know, there's it's looking hopeful. Um, you know, there's been recent record levels of venture capital investments in digital health, so it's easy to envisage that DCPs will only become more accessible and easier to manage as these new technologies develop in the field. But Richard, you know, you also mentioned that this adoption of digital health technologies does add additional burdens, especially for the trial sites as well as for pharma companies. So, do you see this trend continuing in a post-COVID world? Do you see pharma companies continuing to pursue decentralized clinical trial approaches? Are they going to revert back to the tried and tested traditional methods instead? I think so. I think you know, every everything's kind of pointing to to DCTs. You know, it's, it's the same with many things. For example, working from home, a lot a lot of things seem to be staying after to the the pandemic is over. So you know, with with the recent experience of DCTs, um, you know, almost forced experience of DCTs during the pandemic, clinical trial operators have really recognised the advantages of a decentralised approach. And in fact, uh, a CEO of a clinical trial technology provider company has said that you know they, they believe that as many as 70% of new protocols will retain at least some elements of a decentralized clinical trial. And also, as, as we've already mentioned, you know, the technology is maturing with all this investment. You know, there's also a positive regulatory direction in the guidance of DCTs. So the EMA, the European Medicines Agency, has expressed the need to modernize the regulatory framework to enable decentralized models of clinical trials and the ability to directly collect data. And across the pond, the FDA has also expressed openness to new technology adoption in clinical trials. In other words, I believe DCTs are going to be staying well beyond the end of the pandemic. It's really reassuring to see that even the regulators are trying to adapt their approaches to enable proliferation of DCTs in the future. But do you feel there are any specific therapy areas, you know, i.e. often drugs or cell and gene therapies where DCTs may have a bigger role to play? Absolutely. I think, you know, the need for a patient-centric approach of DCTs is even more evident for clinical trials in, as you mentioned, the, the orphan and ultra-rare disease space and also the sound gene therapy space. You know, this is because orphan diseases, in, in, in its name, the patient population itself is very sparse and widely distributed. So there's a particularly slow enrollment of patients in the traditional clinical trials. So being able to recruit patients from a wider distance will really help alleviate, you know, the slow enrollment. But also, you know, outside of enrolling patients, the benefits of adopting DCT technology for cell and gene therapies does not end when the trial itself ends. The FDA, for example, mandates long-term follow-up for 15 years for cell and gene therapies. This collects real-world evidence and safety data. So through you know, utilizing DCTs, you already established the methodology or you, know, you have systems in place for this remote monitoring and, and um, data collection. Telemedicine can really greatly facilitate real-world evidence and safety data collection during the follow-up periods. And you know, this real-world evidence collection can really help satisfy the regulators and payers and demonstrate the real-world value of cell and gene therapy treatments. But also collecting all this data can, can generally help better understand these orphan diseases, which are currently misunderstood. In essence, Richard, what you're saying is, yes, there's benefits around identifying the right patient, but especially for cell and gene therapies where there is that mandated long-term data follow-up, if you set up that infrastructure for decentralized data collection during your trial itself, you can just leverage that later on to collect that follow-up data in the real world. Is that Definitely fair? Correct. Definitely correct. So at least I am convinced that yes, DCTs are here to stay, but what advice would you give companies who are entering into this world of decentralized clinical trial approaches for the first time? What are those critical success factors, things that they should watch out for? 
COVID crisis has really set new precedents for all industries, pharma uh, included. And the in inevitability of DCTs means that trial centers and sponsors must be prepared for this paradigm shift. And in order to be successful, flexibility, early engagement, and preparation are key. So what does this mean? Well, sponsors and trial centers must be flexible and be open-minded to adopt a new ways of working. So this is whether to you know, fully incorporate technology and make all aspects of the clinical trial virtual or to adopt you know, where they can areas that would allow for decentralization. So a, a hybrid approach. Um, but the flexibility must also come from being able to design trial protocols to accommodate variations in acceptance among different regulators. So to kind of know what the regulators want, it's important for sponsors to have early engagement with all stakeholders in the protocol design process. So, you know, stakeholders would include regulatory authorities, the patients and the vendors to fully understand their needs and perspectives to really create a decentralized clinical trial protocol that would, you know, really generate value and benefit. So all in all, I think the pandemic has really exposed the importance and advantages of DCTs, especially in the cell and gene therapy space. And I think this moment has and will continue reshaping the industry over the years to come. So it's paramount that stakeholders get ahead of this curve and not be left behind, as this can be easily the case when disruption leads to innovation. Yeah, thank you for that, Richard. This discussion has been really illuminating because at least for me, my key takeaways are decentralized clinical trials bring a lot of benefits in optimizing the whole evidence generation process. But, you know, for companies who are venturing down the space, it is critical for them to build up those and you know, have those early discussions across a range of stakeholders and say regulators that even throw in the payers and the, the trial centers and patients, of course, to at least map out how to effectively collect the data in a decentralized clinical trial setting and the data being acceptable to different stakeholders. So certainly this is a space to watch out. Now, thank you for this illuminating discussion, Richard. And you know, I'd like to close by just reminding the audience that we are putting together a white paper on this topic. So please look out through our website or LinkedIn page for a future white paper on this topic around decentralized clinical trial. And if you want more information about P4A, visit our website. And please don't forget to like and follow us on LinkedIn as well to stay abreast with the latest industry news. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this July session of the Face podcast. And that's it for this month. For more news and analysis, go to our website, www.partnersforaccess.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening. See you next month.